Hello and welcome to Q and A Quest episode uh, two forty four. Correct. I'm your host Mike Apps, AK Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, back again in stereo. Didn't for anything on last night. Doing the laundry. Your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijima no Guitar. Robert Albright, also known as the Mighty Tam, and grinding out in what I do best, Final Fantasy XIV. Nice. Ish. Well, okay. Yeah. Yay. I'll save that. Put me on that. So, uh, we skipped last week. We did. What did, what did we do in the stream last week? Did I just play EC8? I think you just played EC8, and I roundly mocked you. Oh. oh, so you actually skipped when I wasn't there. Okay, cool. Yeah, we just took a break. We didn't okay. have we didn't have the energy for it, so we we're just like the. Well, I had yep. like five days of small children in the house, yeah. so. Yeah, it's not conducive to podcast. Not <laughs> conducive to streaming, in my case. Also true. No, I mean. Sure, we. I could have just turned on like a marathon of Kung Fu Panda on the TV and let them just enjoy that. But then I'd have them attempting to do Kung Fu all over the apartment again. Yeah, that's, that's definitely picking the battles. Yeah, uh, we we have had to have a talk with the five year old over why we shouldn't be using sticks um, as Kung Fu bow at the oh, moment. Oh dear. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, she was she was trying her best to do with the kata that they show in Kung Fu Panda Three, um, a little too close to little sister. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, nothing actually made contact with anyone. Well, that's just that's, was that's good. too close for comfort. Yeah. Uh, so, what have we been doing? What have we been playing? Um, oddly enough, I have, I have not been playing Mega Ten Five lately. Oh wow! I oh, know it's just I, I got into the final stretch, nothing re really left to explore, and just a bunch of really nasty bosses ahead of me. And I decided I needed a break. Yeah, that's fair. That happens with yeah. SMT games sometimes. <laughs> Quite often, yes. So um, I went back through some of the DLC sections of Nino Kuni Two. Um, no. Some really frantic battles in there, and what else? I, uh, oh yeah, um, was doing Atelier Sophie too, hmm. which is nice considering it won't be actually out for two, three more weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you so, allowed yeah, to so say the, anything about it? Well, I mean, the embargo ended last Thursday, oh, so sweet. and the impression went up on the site. I have not. I haven't actually finished the demo demonstration build yet, um, just because I've been having too much fun running around, whacking things, and making stuff. Well, that's, um, that's a good sign. Yeah, I'm. I'm not too far from the end of or where it's supposed to be ending for now, so I should probably finish that up, finish, and just enjoy. Um, and other than that, um, a while back I had some. Um, points left over on my Nintendo eShop account that I needed to get rid of. I got this little mm -hmm. um, roguelite called Lost Kingdom, which is annoyingly addictive and kind of funny on the writing. So, 
There's another another roguelike that I've been hearing a lot of, like Vampire Survivor or something. I haven't tried oh, yeah. that one yet. Yeah. I I know like JC Servant and I think Chaos were talking about it on the Discord this week. I saw some people <laughs> tweeting about it. Yeah. 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 Lost Kingdom's kind of cute. It's got some cute item descriptions. Um. The Reaper's Scythe has a direct reference to Terry Pratchett novels in it. It was kind That's of cute. nice. Yeah. I was like, I was just reading that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that last line is a direct quote from Reaper Man. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Oh, that, yeah, that's about what I've been playing lately. How about you guys? Uh, do you want to start wheels or should I? Uh, you can go first. Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, yes. A lot of Pokemon. The new one, Arceus? Arceus? Yeah, Legends Arceus. Is it Arceus Especially or Arceus? the English pronunciation is Ar Arceus. You don't say Arts a lot, but yeah. Uh, Pokemon oh, Legends Arceus. Japanese pronunciation. What's that? I'll just continue with the Japanese pronunciation because it makes more sense with that spelling. Hey, heavy, what's that? Fair enough. And but, I can't be honest you remember it differently. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Uh, playing a lot of that. Uh, it's really good. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but it's really good. I've been hearing things like that, yeah. It's, uh... Out of... Like, it's, it's an interesting restructuring of, like, what is meritus of emphasis on uh you know, like, the whole game is built around like fill out the Pokedex. Like that is what it wants. Like all of its reward structures are like, the idea of like fill out the Pokedex. Just fill it out. And so you've got uh uh, the, the way that you do that, of course, is that it's no longer just uh, seen or caught. It's now you've got, like, a bunch of research tasks that uh, usually follow, like, basic concepts like uh, how many you've seen, how many you've caught, uh, well, not how many you've something, but how many you've caught, how many you've defeated in battle, how many times you've uh, de defeated it with one of its weaknesses, how many times you've uh, seen it use like specific moves for that are docile at it because you can like throw at them instead of pokeballs. No. Uh, Wheels, are you, is your stream dying? No. Okay, it's just turning into like a blocky mess on RPG. Whatever. Uh, it just keeps yeah. Don't like, worry about loading it. On loading on. No, shit. it's fine. Um, don't worry about it. Okay, it's all good. And I'll all of these tasks and you get a Pokemon to be considered to do all of them, you just have any So like, it allows you to sort of focus on the of the game you like if you enjoy uh, just catching, like fighting is not the you have a lot more options sneaking around and like catching them off guards to catch them uh, like catching a Pokemon 
Like, some of them uh, have research tests. Like, number of them you caught without consuming you. Stuff like that. Pretty interesting. Of course, a lot of them will have some weird things to actually catch them. Tweets uh, a few days ago, but I ran into a Mr. Mime, and it was the single one of the single most menacing I've seen in a video game. Yeah, I saw that tweet. Yeah, it was like, for, for whatever um, horrible monster works is that uh, it's aggressive, like some of them. It if it's like the the damn mind wall, like putting up the walls, although you can actually see the walls it's putting up. The point is, putting up walls. Uh, uh, if you throw a the wall, naturally it won't do anything. It'll bounce off the wall. You can't catch it. If you throw a ball with, with an aggressive Pokemon, it still won't work. The wall will prevent the Pokemon from coming out. And if you just if it and you're uh, just near it, just starts. If you aren't do something to it, it will start slowly like marching towards you. And that's really menacing. <laughs> like that's really yeah. off putting to see happening. So is it I mean, is it just like regular mind menacing or is it like Tomberry menacing? Uh I never let it get close enough to attack me, but I assume it would have done something. Who knows? The thing is that it's slowly marching towards you the second it thinks that you're not trying to throw something. So we'll go so with Tom Berry. Like red menacing. light, green light. Not even properly that, but we'll go with Tom Berry messing anyway. Now, in the interest of science, you need to let it actually try and get to me. Okay. No, I'm not. I don't feel like backtracking that place. A lot of so there's like a bunch of the game is split into subsections, like sub areas. Because you've got the the main like Jubilee Village, but you've also got like. These these major areas that, uh, like individually, each of them is pretty huge. But you, you like there is like a world map between them. So like you set out to go to a specific place. Uh, but like that, Mister Mime was tucked uh in a pretty obscure portion of the first area. Also, it's essentially guarded by one of the other things that exists in the game, which is uh, an alpha Pokemon. And alpha Pokemon are basically really just fuck-off huge versions of a normal Pokemon, but with, like, glowing red eyes and higher stats. And so, um, like you will get uh, one of their research tasks will be catching the alpha versions of Pokemon. You can absolutely catch the alpha Pokemon. They're very powerful. They're very worth catching if you can manage it. But the first time you run into any given alpha Pokemon, it's probably at best 10 levels higher than anything you have. Uh, so you're going to be like, desperately trying to chip it down. It may very well get... Oh, that's... I'll get into this. But it may very well get multiple turns before your Pokemon can move because it's higher stats means it just gets to do things more than in like a traditional Pokemon game. Uh, so you might uh, get all of your Pokemon just completely splattered by an alpha Pokemon. And that's not game over in this game because game over well, quote unquote game over, like the game only cares if your trainer gets knocked out. 
So if you if you run out of Pokemon, the game just essentially declares that you are automatically running from this battle, and it's now your job to try to get away from it. This uh, like really pissed off Pokemon for it. Run away! Uh, run away! Basically, I've only had that happen once. Uh, but yeah, uh, as I was mentioning, so that like, that Mr. Prime is hidden behind an Alpha Snorlax. Uh, that uh, it's like level forty-two or in the first area. So if you if you go in the wrong direction, you're just going to watch your starter get absolutely annihilated by a gigantic Snorlax that just used Hyper Beam on you, like two yeah. foot tall uh, Rowlet. There's a perfect video of that going around Twitter. Yeah, like that video is incredible, and it's exactly what you sort of have to expect is going to happen to you. Uh, so you're saying that you do not want to challenge this game? <laughs> oh, it's 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 not going to happen. Like, there's so much more that a Pokemon is just going to die. Uh, the the battles are honestly generally a lot brutaler. One of the things that can happen uh, that would make that kind of challenge extremely dangerous is uh, since your battles are just happening out in the open, if you run into a group of Pokemon, usually species will run in groups. They might just all decide to attack your Pokemon at once. So you can be in a situation where your Pokemon is surrounded by three other Pokemon that are all Yikes. So that's dangerous. Don't let that happen. Um, what were you saying, Liz? No, nothing. Do okay. you feel like this is the direction that Pokemon uh, should go in the future? I feel like it's a different game. Like, I, I feel like that's the that the prevalent take is like, oh, this is the replacement for old Pokemon, but it's obviously meant to be. It's a different series. Like, I think that it's probably the spinoff that they've invested the most into. The one that they, that I would suspect we will see. Uh, like, I mean, okay. I mean, this is this is one of their off-year publications anyway, because I mean, that, isn't that how they usually do it? They um, they have a new main series game every two or three years, and in between those in the off years, they come up with the really interesting spin-off stuff, like uh, Pokemon Ranger or Pokemon Conquest, or either some, that, I mean, or the and as well as the remakes. But yeah, yeah, and um, there's like new game, um, or new main game, new side game, remake, and then repeat, basically. And so yeah, this is, this is their new side game. Yeah, although I, I would say, like, like I said, I think that this side game is definitely the one they've been the most committed to, like, in terms of, uh, a lot of times those side games might, like, show previews for new Pokemon that would be in the next generation, like, this one actually has new Pokemon that are not in Sword and Shield that you can actually, like, catch and use, which is new for these, so, like, I think that this is the, si the spin-off that they've been the most committed to of, like, I suspect we will see uh, that Game Freak now splits a lot of its attention between mainline Pokemon games like the Gen 9 games and a Pokemon Legends game. Because this is the most fleshed out, the most, like, obviously they spent time and money on this. Uh, they completely rethought uh, how a lot of systems work. Uh, they've added a lot of quality of life. Like, if I expect anything to find its way into the main games, 
I expect that what we're going to see, find its way into the main games, is a lot of the quality of life things that have been added to this. Uh, the one that I would most expect slash hope to see is uh, that I would expect we will see the way that this game handles moves. Because you can still only have four moves, but they work like a wizard spellbook in D&D where you just have to choose which one to prepare before a fight. So, like, if your Pokemon has learned to move, it can always use that move. It just has to, like, set that as one of its able-to-use moves between fights in the menu, which is very nice and uh, generally just very convenient. Vansamon. Uh, okay. hmm? Yes. Uh, Sorry, there, there's... Vancy and spellcasting. <laughs> I mean, they do have PP, so I guess it is technically Vancy. Uh, some other things from this that I could maybe see showing up in the main games, but I'm not sure. Uh, so this, like, the the one I would suspect probably can't, uh, one I would suspect probably can't just mechanically without completely rethinking huge portions of the battle system is, uh, Pokemon now, if they have used a move enough, they, they'll be considered to have mastered the move. And that allows them to use uh, two variants on the move. They can use it. As, they can use the regular move, or they can use it in agile style or strong style. Uh, agile and strong style. When you use them, they t it takes two PP instead of one. But uh, as you'd expect in agile style, they recover a lot faster, so they're much more likely to be able to act again before the opponent can. And strong style, it just like it's just way stronger it's just brutally it's a much stronger version in exchange for TP. but if it doesn't defeat the opponent then you're going to take even longer to be able to use your next uh to get your next turn so the opponent can really destroy you but uh like those are those are very interesting but especially the concept of having multiple turns in a row is kind of breaking the rules of how uh, uh, turn-based Pokemon typically works. Uh, which I, I alluded to here, the way the battle functions, your speed can be so high that you would... Obviously, there's, there's never really been an option for that in... But really how a lot of the battles work. It's, it's a lot of little things. They've also, they've removed some of as well. Pokemon don't have ability, so anything that was like levitate or things really change what I'm going to do. Those are all gone. They're just not in here. Yeah. Uh, oh, so E-Electros is now actually weak against Grantite. Yeah, it would be. I'm not sure if it's in there, but if it was, it would be. Uh, I've heard a lot of Pokemon just because a lot of them are very reliant on their abilities. Uh, which is another thing. This game is not it is not multiplayer focused the way that other Pokemon games are. There is a lot of multiplayer aspects to it, but they are severely downplayed. Uh, I they, I have access to trading, but I have not actually found where it is. I just know that the tutorial is around the Jubilee Village somewhere. Like there is trading in the game, but like. They, they've de-emphasized trading to the point where 
anything that was like an evolution, a Pokemon that evolved by trading, it isn't that way. There's there are no trade evolutions in Legends Arceus. Uh, so like early in the game, you'll find like Geodudes, and it's like, oh, if you played Gen One, it's like, oh, to get a Golem, you have to trade it. Well, you you don't in this. You can trade it, but that's not going to evolve it anymore. To trade it, you have to. Uh, you have to use an item on it that looks like a Game Boy Link. <laughs> Extremely silly. But I do like the implication that it was nothing about trading itself that was causing Graveler to evolve into Golem. It was just contact with the Game Boy Link cable. But, uh, yeah, there, there's been a severe uh, downplaying of multiplayer. Still absolutely in there. And it has... It's taken some, like, weird Solzian turns. Like, that's a, an overused comparison, but if you get if you get knocked out by a Pokemon, your character drops a bunch of items and gets carted back to the, uh, to, like, one of the nearest, uh, like, warp point. And, uh, when you drop your stuff, your bag will appear in other players' worlds and they can go collect it for you and when they do they get a reward and you get your items back That's so it's like cool. the very like it's the most pokemon that they could implement a very dark soulsy sort of system where it's like no this is a reward for helping your fellow player uh but yeah so that's you know they, they've done a lot of just heavy rethinking about what pokemon can be and what it's about and like what its gameplay loop should be uh as you uh fill out the pokedex you gain you uh increase your standing in uh like the survey core of the uh galactic it's not called team galactic but it is like the galaxy survey core or something uh they uh but basically uh, as you do that, you uh, rank up there, and ranking up that way causes, like, because uh, there's no, like, trainer battles. The way that you earn money is different, because now you get money for filling out the Pokedex and catching Pokemon. Uh, but, like, you're not spending money on the same things, because for the most part, you're making Pokeballs rather than uh, buying them. So you're spending money on, like, character customization, the ability to hold more items uh, and the move tutor who, you know, because of the way that they work, uh, because of the way that moves work is a lot more useful to just make use of because there's one move tutor so you don't have to go looking around for them and you can just keep the moves they give you and freely swap them out. So they're just generally a lot more useful for casual players. Uh as you sort of progress through, as you uh, do enough uh, filling out of the Pokedex, your rank in Team Galactic goes up, and that causes them to give you recipes for things like uh, Hyper Potions and Great Balls, all those, uh, all the stuff that you actually want to be making. Like, the better stuff is locked behind uh, getting better at catching and observing Pokemon. And then, of course, there's the uh, main story quests, which you will sort of end up doing alongside your general survey core duties. It's, it's a very cleverly constructed game that uh, I would be shocked if I don't, if there's not like a Legends game, say, every three or so years. 
uh, in as like the traditional uh, side game to put between uh, major generation releases. But I would suspect that Legends will not be replacing original Pokemon because they're just their appeals are too different. I know. Now I'm remembering um, this idea I had about two springs ago. I think mm -hmm. I discussed it once on the podcast about basically taking the Appalachian Trail and turning it into a Pokemon game. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? This actually sounds kind of like something I could base that around. Yeah. Where, um, the entire point of the game is to get from point A to point Z. And hmm. um, basically you're... Um, I mean, the first time it's however long you can't, um, however long it takes you, but every time you go through it, you're trying to beat your record for how long it takes you to get to the end. <laughs> and with the choice of restarting with fresh new Pokemon. Yeah. So, uh, and so instead okay. of actually visiting any of the cities, all the cities are on the side. <laughs> to the side, or so you don't actually see most of the actual region, you're just this one corridor, actually not corridor, but this one very long park through and um, see, visiting different things and maybe doing a side trip into Centra their version of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Because um, that would, if that place is not a poison type gem zone, I do not know what is. Uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's fitting because there are actually a lot of like points where the sort of will make it clear that there is something on the other end. Uh, like, something that you put, like, there will be Pokemon that you can just see, like, say, you know, up on, like, a mountain that you can't climb or that's, or, like, past what seems like an impassable body of water and just sort of, like, make clear, the, there's something here, you can get to it. Or at least you should try. So you'll run into a lot of those, uh, I'm trying to think some of the other uh, like uh, I mentioned this is another one that I threw on Twitter but uh, basically uh, one of the things that happened for me early on was that I ran I saw what looked like a scyther uh, on top of a hill and I just immediately like oh man scyther I love those things I gotta go catch that so I immediately uh, run up to try to catch it and fail to notice that uh, between me and Scyther is a like, small river. <laughs> and I fall into the river and basically nearly drown. Uh, and that was not a hard uh, river to find a way around, but it was one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that'll just happen. You'll just run. You'll, you'll see like, a Pokemon just at the edge of the horizon and be like, oh, I have to catch that. And then like run headlong into some sort of major barrier. That you have to negotiate your way around. But, yeah, it's it. It gives a lot more uh, character to the environment just because you do have to in interact with it quite a bit. Uh, the other thing that I'm thinking about, uh, it's like a very specific thing I want to before we on. Uh, uh, it's gone. I can't remember, but you know, it's 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 a really good game. Uh, if you have been 
burnt out on the Pokemon formula for a while, uh, maybe give this one a try. It's a, it's legitimately a very different feeling game that uh, might be more to your liking. Uh, yeah, I've, and, I've heard know. like some of the more recent Pokemon games have been a little too easy for a lot of people. Yeah, this one's a lot less so. There's a lot more that's like just oh this this Pokemon snuck up on me and now I'm nearly dead or uh, this alpha Pokemon is between where where I am and where I need to go and now I need to either uh, run the risk of running around it or uh, fight it and hope that I don't die. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember the other thing that I thought like this this felt like uh, something that the developers were doing very deliberately. Uh, the a uh, way that you're supposed to sneak up on Pokemon to catch them, for the most part, is that if you're hiding in tall grass, they can't see you. So you are <laughs> literally doing the inversion of a normal Pokemon game. So, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, wholeheartedly recommended. Uh, I've generally liked the new Pokemon there's like there's not a ton of them uh from what I've from what I've seen so far it seems like they're mostly the new ones are new evolutions for old Pokemon uh, or new so, variations say what or regional variations yeah there, there are regional var variations but they're also just entirely new Pokemon that are uh, only that have only been seen this one. Hmm. But uh, yeah, like, like specifically, there they are evolutions uh, that have only been seen in this one to older Pokemon so far as the ones I have seen. But oh, which uh, ones? Because I haven't been keeping track. Say what? Any ones? Because I haven't been keeping track, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess one of the ones that like is like. I don't mind mentioning it, but uh, the first, like, quote-unquote boss Pokemon that you run into is a Cleaver, which is a new evolution for Scyther. It's like a rock bug that has, like, giant axes for arms instead of the sides that Scyther has. Cool. So, that thing is pretty cool. Yeah, I was, I was really excited when I found the thing that you use on Scyther to get a Cleaver, uh, and so that's in my team now. But, uh, yeah, like, that that was one of those things where it's, like, this isn't, like, some Hisuian scissor or whatever. It's, like, no, this is just a different evolution for Scyther that it can have. Uh, but, yeah, of course, there are also, like, some, uh, there are Hisuian versions of various things. Like, I think all of the uh, starters are unique variant versions. Uh... So, like, since this wasn't a main game, I broke my tradition of taking the grass starter and I took Cyndaquil. And uh, Hisuian Typhlosion is a uh, fire-ghost hybrid. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's a very... It, it gives you a very different skill set uh, than you would have if you just... If you used a regular Typhlosion. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm pretty sure Decidueye is different, but I don't know how. Uh, let me see if I can find this out, because I'm now curious. Uh, 
Grass and fighting type. Oh yeah, that's a very different typing. I think it was like grass ghost or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, M7. Grass and ghost. Uh, mm. So yeah, now it's grass fighting, which is a pretty unique typing. And uh, Yasuian Samurai is a... We are looking at a water dark. So yeah, they, they've all... Uh, been given a facelift. They've all they all have new types and new moves that they couldn't get before. So, like even if you've used a particular Pokemon before, uh, you have a different experience uh, picking that starter. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the Decidueye even was. And I was like, oh, this is a Janiper. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the, the Japanese name is a wonderful pun between Juniper and Sniper. <laughs> yeah, that's a great name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so nothing but good things to say about that. Uh, it, it's as as good as anyone could have expected out of it, and more so. Uh, I'm on like the fourth area. I've got like four, nearly five out of the ten stars. It's it's a lot of game. Uh, and I know for a fact that there's a fair amount. There's like definitely post game stuff as well. So it's a lot to keep you occupied. It's uh, a lot of fun environments to explore. Uh, a lot of interesting new mechanics. It's yeah, there's nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, anyone else got who's been playing that? I know Wheels played some. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that because you're farther along than I am. Just that it's <laughs> it's really good. Um, you you mentioned I think a few days ago that you weren't. Uh, immediately sure on it. No, um, because like pretty early on, it's just like oh, this it, I don't, I don't want to say it's boring, but it's like oh, run around, throw balls at Pokemon to catch them. This is this is okay, I guess. And then once <laughs> you kind of get into all the the flow of all the mechanics, it's it's like oh, this is actually fantastic. Um, Once the game's really letting you explore and you're just seeing everything that there is to find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw somebody on Which Twitter... Takes... Okay. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it, it, it takes... It's not a long opening. Like, it takes maybe an hour to get to the main game. But... Yeah. It's not too long. It's mm. not like there's nothing to do there either. You get to pick your starter, you get to have a few battles and wander around a yeah, bit. Yeah, do the opening, fine. like... Catching tutorial, which yeah. helps ground you in the new mechanics fairly well. Uh, but I was just going to uh, say, I saw somebody on Twitter comparing it a lot to like the Pokemon Let's Go games, or and Pokemon Go in general, where it's like more of a focus on exploration and uh, catching Pokemon than on combat like the main games are, and it seems like a pretty good... That seems like... A, yeah pretty accurate description to be honest yeah like, like the way that i saw it described it most spoke to me was someone saying that uh they had taken a game that was about uh fighting pokemon and catching was like the means to how you did that and made it more like this is now a game about catching pokemon and like fighting is one of the means you can use to yeah and uh in doing so, they, they've sort of, like, they've 
there, I do definitely feel like this uh, game maybe started with like lessons they were taking away from Let's Go about like okay, people do like the catching, but they don't like it necessarily to the exclusion of other things. So how do we uh, integrate those yeah. more closely? And also, uh, because the catching is a much more, uh, I guess, like immediate action, it also needs to be something that happens faster. So like catching anything in Legends is generally going to be a much faster uh, affair than most any other game up to and including Let's Go because it's like uh, a lot of them it's just going to be you huck a ball at it and if it didn't see you then there's a decent chance that it's just over. Yeah. Uh, so especially for like fairly docile things it's like uh, you, you'll get some very funny interactions. I, I ran into like a spiel on the beach and the thing just sort of rolled up to me because it's an orange spiel. That's all it does. And it's not aggressive. It just sort of rolled up to me curiously and then I threw a ball at its head and immediately caught it. <laughs> but, yeah. If, yeah. If it's if just it, one of the... If this is the evolution of like that sort of game, then I, I'm all for it for sure because um, honestly, I thought Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu was a pretty boring way to try and take the success of the Pokemon Let's Go mobile game and like transport it to a traditional console game. Uh, and this is definitely much better. It's it's definitely something that they. they seemed like they needed to have made uh, I, I don't think that this game could have happened without like having experiences taken away from what they learned about what people liked and disliked from Let's Go yeah as well as uh, the wild areas of Sword and Shield also were seemingly experiments in this direction as well like you take the wild areas from Sword and Shield you take the catching emphasis of uh, let's go, you add uh, you you build a new incentivization mechanic and structure around them and that is the core uh, game design of uh, Legends Arceus. It's, it's legitimately like an incredible game, I think. Yeah. Um... I feel like this could be if they do this and the mainline Pokemon games, then they can have two incredible, like main mainline series going forward. Yeah, I don't think that the like the the reason that I think people uh, have been wondering if this this replaces the like mainline games is not like the assumption that no one wants mainline style games anymore, but so much as this is such a big and polished and uh just generally like built out title that it feels like it has the amount of care you would put into a main game yeah but yeah like i like i think we've both been driving at this point i suspect that we'll, we'll continue to see legends as the new primary thing that gets released alongside main games but yeah, uh, nothing but good things. Very yeah, good. Very, very good. Um, and 
that's uh, that's most of what I've been playing. I've also been playing Boktai, The Sun is in Your Hand. I'm not sure how much people want to hear about that. Nothing, probably. <laughs> yeah. Let it be uh, despite it having one of the most unique systems in, in video gaming. Listen, Boktai is actually very fun. And I want to bring up one thing about it since I was playing it earlier today. And I ran into a system I did not expect to run into at any point during my playthrough. Uh, which, for those who don't remember, Boktai, I think I talked about it last time because I had played a bit of it then. Uh, but Boktai was the uh, Kojima Productions Game Boy Advance. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is uh, what would happen if Metal Gear Solid and Legend of Zelda were the same game. <laughs> uh, that's that's the best way I can describe what its gameplay is. But it has a solar sensor on it, and you uh, are generally rewarded for playing in the sun, except for when you're not. But the point is, uh, huh? the game... What's that? Is it huh? <laughs> what part of that are you hawing at? Uh, you're generally rewarded for playing in the sun, except when you're not. If well, you play the in the sun for too long, you vampire. Hmm? Isn't the second player character a vampire, and that's why? There's there's no multiplayer in the first one, at the very least. Uh, no. The reasoning is that when you're in the sun, if you're in the sun, if you're in bright sun for too long, you your gun overheats and you can't use it anymore. Oh. oh that and you have to the game like it's it's ostensibly it's a safety measure meant to keep children from just getting sunburned by staying out in the sun too long but uh yeah if it thinks that you've been in the sun for too long it'll it'll first overheat your gun as a warning to like get in the shade get in the shade but if you stay in the sun for too long after that, it just, like, your gun overheats and the game basically tells you in the tutorial, if it overheats this hard, you just need to turn the game off for a while because mm -hmm. it will not start again. Uh, but yeah, there, there's some other gimmicks where it will, like, say, hey, put your hand over the solar sensor so that the sun isn't uh, detecting it. Because, like, there's a gimmick in a later dungeon where you're on the top of a... Uh, tower and you're being affected somehow by solar winds so like the more of the sun that it's detecting the more that you will the more that the winds will threaten to knock you off the tower so you you want to get out of the sun during that section of the dungeon because it prevents you from uh, it makes it much easier to get through without falling off but yeah uh, the other thing uh, the system I ran into so when you start the game, it asks you to set your time, uh, and then it also asks you to where you are so that it can sort of calibrate for how much sunlight it can expect. Uh, but the timer is actually used by the enemies in the game in a very specific fashion, which is every enemy type in the game has a 30-minute nap time at some point in the game, day. Huh. <laughs> so you've got, like, the, the basic zombies that sleep at, like, 2 a.m., uh, from 2 a.m. to 2.30, you've got, like, these mummy things that I hate that uh, sleep from, like, 5 to 5.30. Like, they, they all have different times of day. And by absolute happenstance, I had no idea this was going to happen. I was playing at around noon in a dungeon that is full of cockatrices. 
And then partway through, it, like it ticks past noon, and I notice all the cockatrices are asleep. <laughs> because they sleep from <laughs> noon to 12.30. And that made the latter half of the dungeon much easier than expected. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a very uh, it, it's full of weird details like that that makes it very much feel like Kojima Productions actually did put a lot of effort into it. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was the highlight of the game. It's just like noticing that all of the cockatrices are asleep because it's nap time. But yeah, so so I've been playing that. It's neat. It's remarkably short. I was expecting it to be, you know, somewhere in the, like, 15-hour range, but I think it's probably doable in, like, 8. Oh, jeez. Uh, which is good, because it doesn't overstay its welcome, but it's also one of those things where it's like, well, I'm glad there's three more, because I'll probably want to play some. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's a cute old GBA game if you've never played it. Uh, most uh, emulatorial solutions have, uh, in modern days, have key bindings that allow you to increase and decrease the amount of thumb that this uh, solar sensor is detecting. So, I'm sure that took uh, a while to code. Really. Eh, I mean, you can just tell the solar... I'm sure that you can bypass the solar sensor entirely and just tell it out so it's getting so... I know. But, I mean, granted, it's also been a couple... been over a decade and a half since I really did emulation, and I still remember Pokemon Silver having... I mean, going nuts because <laughs> it couldn't figure out what the timer was doing. Oh, yeah... Yeah. That's a problem in the uh, actual game because that uh, that timer runs down the internal save battery quite a bit too. Yes, that's why there are no copies of that game left in the original version that work or that can save. Because ironically, yeah. the clock runs down the clock. <laughs> Hope you enjoy yeah. soldering and watch batteries. Um, yeah. No, but I mean, um, I mean, before it was ever released in English, I was playing a. a uh, copy online, just mm, ostensibly yeah. to practice Japanese. I did buy it as soon as it came. Uh, yeah, the game would randomly decide to switch day and night between areas um, at times. <laughs> uh, would not realize. What, I mean, it, it could not tell what time it was. Yeah. It had to manually reset it occasionally. Interesting, because like, yeah, I've never seen someone actually try to play it without the clock being set. So that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, this was literally in the first few months after, uh, before. It yeah. Played, so. Yeah. Um, and I'm remembering some of the other um, old Super Nintendo games that were very difficult to emulate at first because a lot of them had proprietary chipsets that did not exist in any other game for the system. And so. I always had the joy of, like, here's a Capcom yeah. CX4 game and. Oh, not just no, that, like, uh, some of, I mean, anything from the later years of the system generally, yeah. generally required some major upgrades to the chips because, just because, um, like, Star Ocean and Treasure Hunter G were basically, like, six, almost 64-bit games already. I mean, they were, oh, not 32-bit uh, games. There's, yeah, Star Ocean and... Treasure Hunter G, I think, are both using some, like, obnoxiously, like, some proprietary compression chip just to cram as much data onto the cartridge as possible. Yeah. Well, that and just, and also the graphics modeling 
is cool. yeah they're the graphics are really impressive but i think they're mostly stock it's mostly that the extra chip i think is mostly compression let me check uh, chip was that you're saying i love that wikipedia has a list of snes enhancement chips uh, I'm going to actually look up some of these just because they're very funny. Yeah, it was using the SDD1 chip. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in general, the SDD1 chip is that since it was a uh, primarily a data compression chip, or, or decompression, I should say, since it was primarily a decompression chip, what the emulation would do to get around that until like emulators were actually good enough to deal with that was they would just uh, create custom versions of the ROM that had the uncompressed data on them and like feed that through every time it tries to uh, call anything from the SDD1 chip. But uh, there's some really like strange ones. Uh, there's uh, there were custom chips for the X-band modem. There is. The OBC1, a sprite manipulation chip that's only used for a uh, Super Scope game. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just remember the message boards at the time. Anytime there was a big breakthrough on one particular chipset or modeling or actually making this one particular game viable for emulation, that was huge news. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. the last so again, one... This was 22 years ago. So... Mm -hmm. I think the the last one to really get uh, properly emulated was the uh, SPC seventy one ten, a decompression chip used essentially only by Hudson. Uh, that uh, like was used in a very strange fashion for Tengai Machio Zero, where it was also used to power the game's real-time clock. And, like, the way that it was getting real-time clock data via this, like, chip that's a data decompression chip uh, means that, like, it took forever for Tengai Machio Zero to be properly emulated. Yeah. Like, it was, like, one one person's life to make that happen. Uh, yeah, I... I have absolutely nothing to add to any of this conversation tonight. Apologies. No, I've, I'm finding it very interesting. Because the inner workings of emulation is, you know, I'm like, I can play them, but as far as like the inner workings and all these different chipsets, it's, it, I find it fascinating how much, you know, some of these companies went through to make their games try and work. Yeah. Like the 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 Famicom in Japan had all sorts of uh, weird coprocessor chips as well, but in general they weren't as complicated. So Famicom games tended to get, uh, and also all those games had to have their custom chips essentially replaced with Nintendo's like generic memory mapper chips in the U.S. So like you could usually at least get the U.S. version working fairly consistently once you worked out the. Like, once a memory mapper chip worked, it, most anything that worked with it was going to at least partially function now. But a lot of the more Byzantine designs, as well as the 
general, more custom designs that sh uh, actually showed up uh, for the Super Nintendo means that a lot of these games just didn't happen for a long time. <laughs> Uh, and of course they they would put these to use in like the strangest fashion possible because like I'm sure that the CX4 chip drove up the price of Mega Man X2 and 3 and all it was being used for like that was that was just for doing math to make it like to animate vectors and the only things that ever use vectors in either of those games is like one cutscene in Mega Man X3 and like a big dumb wireframe sword in hand in each game. Oh yeah, the last boss. <laughs> yeah, it's just extremely silly looking. But the... you also have to admit that's pretty impressive considering you know the technology for the time for the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a very impressive thing to do because like you know you're working with a Super Nintendo processor which is super bottlenecked in terms of what it can do. Uh, in, in terms of speed, and generally when you want to do those kinds of calculations, you want speed. And so, like, that's why you ended up with, like, the CX-4. It's just like, this just does math really fast. That's all it needs. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, there's that tangent. Uh, <laughs> how did we get here? Isn't that just the regular motto of this podcast? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, I'm perturbed because I can't remember how we got here. You were talking about the Boktai. Oh, yeah, yeah, Boktai. And we were discussing how they managed to figure out how to emulate the light sensor chips properly. And yeah, mm. went on from there. The answer is mostly bypassing them, but yeah. Taiyo, yeah. but yeah. Uh... That's also a GBA game with a lot of voice samples, which is strange. Huh. New compression technology? Uh, that and just reusing the same handful a lot so you don't have to compress them as much because comparatively they're not taking up as much of the cartridge. But it has like a narrated opening, which is seemingly just a flex. Uh, and then, of course, like any time that you're... There's like your little uh, helper, uh, Otenko, is uh, anytime that he like finishes explaining something, he has at least a 50% chance of saying, May the sun be with you. And then he has like like a little voice clip will play of him screaming, Taiyo! So that's fun. But yeah, Baktai, it's cute. Uh, that's what I've been playing. What else? What have you been playing? Uh, other than Pokemon, I've been playing lots of East 8, uh, nearing the end of that, trying to. Check that off my list, along with uh, Persona 5 Strikers, which I'm also not near the end of, but making steady progress in. You're so. making headway into for once. Yeah, <laughs> trying to check some things off my list. Uh, I'm kind of delaying when I want to try and finish Dragon Quest XI by. Until uh, probably mid-April, when I'm going to Florida. So that's that's now my target for that. What about that hack GU last recode? Well, that I want to finish by the end of summer. Uh, give myself time for it since it's three games plus. Three and a half, four ish. I don't know how long the new yeah. chapter is. Uh, 
You've been you've been marinating on the cliffhanger from the end of chapter one for like eight years now. Yep. But let's see. Uh, and Tam, based on what he said at the beginning of this, I assume it's just been playing it. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. Do uh, tell. Dude. Mostly FF14. Not gonna lie, but but no. Because uh, I can't play FF14 when I'm at work. That's true. So, uh, I've actually been trying uh, tr tr trying to give Octopath Traveler a second chance. Oh, nice. Hmm. So, I I have... Uh, it's It's been a slow... It's been a bit of a slow slog, because it, it is a very slow game. But I, I think I've managed to figure out how the game works a little better this time so i'm getting a little better especially on the boss fights well that's good yeah the idea is to basically get them almost to break and then don't break them till you need them to break and then break them and go go hog wild at that point <laughs> that's not a bad idea actually so i i don't know how successful i'll be i'm still picking up all the characters um which is one of the sore points is the characters who don't participate in battle don't get any XP. Yeah, I don't don't like that. Yeah, that 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 was part of the reasoning behind me stopping. But uh, now, as far as I thought, I thought I thought you were like at the end of East Eight. Yeah, I'm just wandering around collecting some items now. I ran out of materials to make revive potions. Also, Wheels is thought he's at the end of Issei for like a week now. <laughs> no, I thought it was close, and then I got to the tree place and thought I was like at the end, and then realized, oh, this is kind of a long dungeon. Yeah, yeah, the la the last dungeon is a long dungeon. Yeah, but I, multiple I believe the last dungeon in each game would be a long dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm at the fourth of four thingies. So okay, so you're re you're actually like. Right at the end. Yeah, okay. Uh, Unless you're going for the true ending, in which case there's one more dungeon. I will Google the true ending. I think ending. you just cursed wheels. Yeah, I will. How do you do? Is there anything extra I have to do to get the true ending other than do an extra dungeon? Um, yes, and I would recommend go looking up because I don't remember off the top of my head. So what you're saying is I'm going to look up the true ending on YouTube. I would not recommend that. I would recommend actually you experiencing it for yourself because it'll have greater impact. Okay. I mean, is it something I can miss out on or is it something that I can just... Um, it has more to do with your emotional investment into certain characters. Yeah, no, I mean, I just mean like... In... Oh. If I keep going along, am I going to be locked out of doing that at some point? Or you may already be, is the thing. Okay. I don't know. Because I don't know what you have and have not done. Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I am locked out from it. Yeah, you have to have like all the people. <laughs> you don't have to max out all the relationships, though. I, I can tell you that. You need to have a reputation score for at all of 150 or higher. And, and you can check that with the um, 
in the uh, stat screen. Hmm. Or Cyclopedia. Oh, you are way better at flash moving than me. But yeah, so besides Final Fantasy fourteen, I've actually been giving Octopath Traveler a second look. Um, and uh, I mean, I like the story of the game. It's it's very well written game. I just think it is one of those games that really does throw back to to the uh, old, old, very older um, RPGs, and it makes it hard hard sometimes. It's a, it's a, it's making some choices. I didn't have any issues with it, but I can definitely see how it would rock someone else's way. I just don't like the la the severe lack of money gain in that game. Sometimes. <laughs> now that's why you you start getting up to some real fucking shenanigans and like trick your way into a later area and start stealing shit, but. That's that kind of unbalances the game in a different way. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I actually started the game as uh, Tressa just so that way I'd be able to get extra money early on because you mm. know she picks up money when she enters new screens, and that has actually helped out a lot. Because the first time I was doing it as a uh, Oberg. Mm-hmm. Oberg, yeah. And uh, he he uh, definitely. That that was, I think, where the issue, some of the issue came in. So starting off with Tressa has definitely helped in regards to uh, having some money earlier into the game. Mm -hmm. But other than that, uh, those have really been the only two games I've played this week. Hmm. Well, before we hit any questions, uh, Wheels, do you want to comment on the most recent things? Oh, yeah. So after the whole Microsoft acquisition, we got news this week that Sony was going to purchase Bungie? Yep, for reasons. Billion. Um, now, everyone is acting like this is a reaction to the Microsoft acquisition, which I. There's not really enough time for that to yeah, happen. Yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah. Based on a few years ago when um, Bungie got an investment from Tencent. Uh, I'm guessing that they've been looking to looking for more investment or to be purchased for quite a while. Uh, so them being acquired does not surprise me. Sony acquiring them and saying they're going to remain an independent um, multi-platform studio does not Everything make about the messaging behind the baffling and fucked yeah. uh i think my favorite is like this weird like they they tried to explain how this org chart is supposed to work during at least one of these and it was like some nonsense about like bungie is still independent but it reports to like some sony uh some like sony like czar that's put, been put in charge of them it's very strange i don't i don't get it like the the <laughs> Purchase makes sense in the sense that Sony keeps in its investor calls banging on the drum of like we need to, our growth our key growth places are free to play and games as a service and Destiny's both of those. But uh, it's one of those things. It's like I don't understand yeah. the way that you're communicating this or what you're going for here. And of course, there's also the current rumors about how they're uh, trying to ensure talent doesn't leave. Oh yeah, that was 
Yeah, you told me about that. We'll buy out your equity or whatever, but only 50% now and 50% later. Yeah, 50% in a few years. Yeah. You know. So stay on for at least a few projects. Uh, but, I mean, in addition to that, um, if you followed gaming history, um, the last <laughs> time Bungie was required, um, it was it was a thing. It's not a happy marriage yes. between Bungie and Microsoft. Actually, anyone uh, they've worked with has not been a happy marriage. Um, yeah. Although, uh, with everything of late, um, no one really blamed them for breaking up with Activision. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things where I was always surprised that it survived, as, like, that that relationship survived yeah. as long as it did. But it's one of those things, like, Bungie's internal corporate structure seems to shape very heavily at being told what to do. Yeah. And, uh,. People who buy you typically want to be able to tell you what to do. Acquired, but the, it was more they had like contracts with ABK. This is like a full acquisition. Yeah. Oh yeah, like that's why I'm bringing up Microsoft because Microsoft did own them for most of the odds. Yeah. But uh, and yeah, infamously they, that. Yeah. They they made them with Halo, but it was not. It's not a happy marriage in the slightest. Yeah, Microsoft, like, infamously you had, Microsoft is like, okay, you finished Halo, you should work on Halo 2, because Halo 2, Halo was like the Xbox game, we need more Halo. And you have, like, Bungie's then higher up, like Jason Jones, like, fighting tooth and nail to make literally anything else. <laughs> like, to, to a degree that's like, I can't even imagine how you weren't fired for this. I mean, sadly, I mean, it's it's the same issue with, like, COD and Battlefield, and, I mean, they all sort of fall into that. Yeah, thing. I mean, that, that that's the name of the game. Like, that's what, you, like, you, if big company buys you, they bought you because they like what you were making and want you to keep making that in perpetuity until it stops making money. Uh, the thing that's wild about, like, if you go look at the oral history of the Halo series is that you run into, uh, like guy who's supposed to be in charge of the project assures Microsoft he could be in charge of that project and another project and then goes to work on another project that never, ever, ever even gets really past the prototyping stage while Halo 2's development turns into Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And the whole, the, the funniest part about that was how like the multiplayer mode, which is like the redheaded stepchild of that whole product was the thing that really saved that game. <laughs> yeah, like the entire like there's a if you there's I think it was on Polygon, it was like four or five years ago. There was a oral history of the Halo series, I think to go and coincide with Halo Five reference. Thing is, they uh got a whole bunch of people to talk on the like the development of Halo two and it's nightmarish sounding. But the most tragicomic part is, like, there's one guy who's talking about, yeah, I was in charge of the multiplayer in Halo 2. Uh, the part of the multiplayer I was in charge of that became the on all of the multiplayer mode was originally supposed to be sort of this, like, okay, we're just maintaining this from Halo 1, but we're really focused on this new multiplayer mode that didn't fucking work and never got implemented in any Halo game. <laughs> uh, but, like, they were really focused on, like, that's going to be the thing, and it's like this one poor bastard working for like months and months on just making Halo 2 multiplayer that was an evolution of Halo 1 multiplayer that essentially saved the entire product. Yeah, and kind of probably saved Xbox Live as well. Oh, definitely. 
but yeah, just like absolute, uh, like it, it's a company that is that at the very least then was not capable of working in that kind of corporate environment. Yeah, and I don't know if they're if they've ever fixed the way that their corporate culture works such that they have fixed that. Yeah, which makes it even more likely that this has been a deal that's been worked on for a long time because they probably wanted to work in lots of provisions on how they were going to Lots of provisions. Sony has apparently said... Oh, no, wait, no, this was Bungie. Last last year in 2021 when they first got like that cash infusion from... It's either Tencent or NetEase. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Tencent. But basically, when they got that cash infusion, they proclaimed that they were going to have a new IP in 2025. And it's like, that is a number that leads me to believe that maybe you believe that, but there is like at least a 50% chance that we never hear a single word about that ever again. And it's a real question of what does Sony want done with that? Uh, because if Sony believes in that, then yeah, we might actually see that someday. If Sony does not believe in that, then we will yeah. definitely not ever see that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, we'll see. It's, it's, a, bet, it's I, a big buyout. I don't get it, but I think it's going to be a boon for Destiny 2 to have some sweet, sweet Sony cash helping development efforts there. Sony dollars. Yeah, but it definitely seems... Did not make a lot of sense. It, I, I would describe it as very much the kind of uh, acquisition where I would say describe this acquisition as essentially gambling. Yeah. <laughs> like this could work out very well for them. It could also just blow up in their face, and they could essentially never see anything from it. Yeah. Except like the cut of the Destiny profits. Yeah. And if in a few years we're seeing uh, Bungie divorced from another company, I won't be shocked. The same. Yeah, but at that point, you know, I'm going to start wondering: Is there really an issue with those companies, or is there an issue with Bungie? Oh no! Oh, there's definitely an issue with Bungie. No, it's totally Bungie. Mm. Okay, I mean, let's not get us wrong. ABK definitely has their issues. Oh yeah, yeah. Very publicly. Like it's one of those things where two companies can be dysfunctional. Yeah, no, this, this plucky little company that started out with weird Mac shareware games definitely has got a giant chip on its shoulder, still. It's essentially everything I've ever heard about like the internal development of Destiny 1 makes it sound like it was also kind of a shit show. Yeah. Regardless of your thoughts on the final project, like the product, the actual like development seems like it was hell. Oh no, the, the final project was absolutely a shit show. Uh, initially yeah and i read like horror stories about how they uh, some of the tools they had to like work on maps they had to wait it would just take like an entire day to render out anything yeah Yeah. so we'll see man it it seems like they definitely could also maybe use some technology rework, yeah. but I'm not sure that they'll ever get them. No, it, is, it just seems like another one of those companies where it's like this works, but it's it's like a beautiful not mess. Not without being uh, greased along by the yeah. blood of the people making it's, it. It's a beautiful mess because they have really talented creative people there, but um, they need better structure. Yeah, like 
that Bungie is the kind of company that has had the kind of successes that poison a company. Because it's like, oh, they, they do incredible, they release an incredible game that people love, and it's like, well, I guess we keep doing what we were doing. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll tip some questions so that this is not entirely an A quest. Yes. Okay. Fire Miner very politely uh, added some new questions uh, in celebration of Lunar New Year. Uh, a few questions. <laughs> a few questions related to Konami. Oh, I love it. Which game is most likely to break its own controller? I've just found my two broken DDR dance pads stored in the attic. <laughs> I mean, anything that requires you to stomp on it's probably going to break eventually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, part of it, too. I mean, not only were you stomping on it, but, I mean, those sensors. <laughs> yeah, they're they're only meant to take so much human weight. Like, that's why, like, the hardcore DDR fans always bought, like, giant, expensive metal dance mats. Yeah, and even those would break. Yeah, those would break, but they were also more user repairable as well. True. Mm. But yeah, or the, like the, the game, game controllers. The what game controllers? Taiko no Tatsujin. Oh the yeah, no, game. you're hitting those with sticks. They're gonna break eventually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although my personal favorite wasn't a broken controller, but a broken fist. The Sonic oh. Blast. The Sonic Blastman arcade game. Oh lord. <laughs> Uh, I've heard stories of how that how people would be punching it and they would break their fists. Oh jeez. That does remind me of uh, the original Street Fighter One. The initial arcade cabinets were not six button like all future Street Fighters would be. They were two buttons that were pressure sensitive, and oh. that apparently worked fine in Japan. Didn't work so great in America. People had no sense of restraint. And so those yeah, broke yeah. a lot. I actually uh, uh, like some of the puzzle, like Mario and whatnot. It's, it actually has that same concept where, depending on how hard you actually press the button, Mario will jump different heights. Yeah, that's actually a huge problem when you're trying to play old PS2 games on anything that's not a PS2 controller. Is that uh, all of the face buttons on that thing have like 256 degrees of uh, like sensitivity in terms of how hard they're being pressed. And if you remember playing PS2 games, that usually meant that if the game really hated you, uh, it was going to assign different functions to arbitrary pressures, and it was going to be really hard to play the game from. <laughs> I do remember one game being like that. I'm trying to remember which one it is, though. Uh, the like uh, Just off the top of my head, every racing game ever was just constantly, oh, Oh, hell, I have to, like, hammer this button down because it doesn't, like, otherwise I'm going to be moving at, like, 20 miles per hour the entire race. Because it just <laughs> assumes that I'm, I guess I just don't want it hard enough. Uh, and then there is uh, one that is an early game. Uh, the bouncer determines between different attacks based That's off of how hard you're hitting the button, which means that every time you try to emulate it, you only seem to have two attacks. Unless you're using a controller. Yeah, well, unless you're using a uh, PS2 controller, because anything after the PS3, not even Sony's controllers still do that, because it, as it turns out, no one likes it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, 
Though, those are also eminently breakable, but not as badly as something you're beating with your fists or anything like that. Uh, trying to think of anything else. Oh, uh, honorable mention to Mario Party 1 and the N64 joystick. Uh, which, for those who do not recall or never played this, Mario Party, Mario Party 1 had a bunch of minigames that required you to spin the... Uh, the stick as rapidly as possible and while that was also generally caused for people like causing horrible friction burns on their palms when they realized that they could use their entire hand to rotate the stick uh, it's also uh, due to an inherent flaw with how the N64's analog stick is designed wherein it uh, is plastic rubbing against plastic and grinding itself into dust uh, it will eventually decrease and eventually the sensitivity on the analog stick to the point where it's useless. Which any N64 game will eventually do that, but stick spinning mini games essentially did almost like tailor made to do it. Uh, so, yeah. Which is why so many N64 controllers wore out. Yeah. Fancy that. So, uh, yeah, there's like the, the 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 heinous sin here is that there wasn't even any like grease essentially on the uh, thing to try to smooth out the uh, try to smooth out the motion of the stick so that it would at least not grind as much. It's just bare plastic on bare plastic uh, destroying each other. Generally, uh, modern attempts to fix these sticks involve like trying to essentially uh, either fill them out with epoxy or replace them with more metallic parts that aren't going to grind that aren't going to grind themselves into dust as easily but it's an inexact science and a giant pain in the ass uh, let's see any any other like eminently breakable controllers we can find out? the ones you throw into a wall some of the guitar I was about hero to stuff where are the wrist uh, strap, damn it? Uh, the, uh, the left thumb pad on my 3DS managed to smush itself into oblivion twice. Huh, I never had uh, that one. That's no, awful. It just got, um, the plastic got old and soft, and it mushed apart, so I had to glue on a new one. Uh, that happens. Oh, yeah, I think I've that, seen that happen. That happened happen. to me in my OG 3DS. Not, like, the whole thing, but part of the, the thumbstick broke off. Yeah, I mean, that happens a lot with thumbsticks in my experience. The, like, the rubber part just aged out to the point where it, around the circle on the top, it broke to pieces. Yeah. I've had PS... I've seen PS2 and PS1 do that as well, but it's less deleterious for those because you can just replace the controller if you want. <laughs> uh, I had a number of PS3 controllers break, and it seemed to be related to... If you played lots of games that used, like, the triggers. Oh, those things feel awful. I, yeah. I would not be surprised if they just wear out. Yeah, that seemed to be the case. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely heard that the triggers on the DualSense have issues as well. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been using them that much in the past six months. I don't have to think about it. Uh, yeah. 
there's a lot of these that are just like, yeah, these these things are they're kind of prone to just sort of exploding. And then of course, you know, there's the Joy-Con drift issue that is slowly going to encroach on just about every controller uh, to some greater or lesser extent because they all use the same damn internals now. Okay, another question. Why does Konami keep wanting to make non-side-scrolling Contra a thing? I understand that back in the day they felt the pressure to go 3D, but by 2019, side-scrolling games were cool again, and Contra Rogue existed. Uh, the answer is that everyone who has decision-making power at Konami who, uh, is either someone who was never really working in games or has not worked in games in decades and no longer cares. <laughs> So their idea of what the market is or wants is very confused, skewed, and old. <laughs> Which is why they don't make games, except Pachinko Machines. Yeah, I know, They much. did make the, uh, what was it, Aiden, Aiden something? Um, I know they had an IP in the last year. Oh, they actually have I don't something. think it came out in the U.S. Not in the U.S. <laughs> uh, so, but it was like, um, like outside IPs having games produced. So. Yeah, they they also they contracted a new Getsu Fuma Den game. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're the ones who do uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, they still Get, do Yu-Gi-Oh Getsu games. Fuma Den. Uh, they're doing that Castlevania Advance collection. Yeah, that already happened, but it's a good collection. But that was contracted out to M two. Yeah. Uh, well, at least they contra contracted the right people. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean like M2 is the anything else. Uh, what is this Fumoden called again? Uh Shin Fumoden. Sure, why not? Oh no wait, that was the that was the cancel the PS2 Getsu Fumoden game. Uh Getsu Fumoden Undying uh, is being developed by God only knows who. Look that's Steam. Also come, oh, it's coming to that. VR beat game called Beat Arena. I have my doubts that that was made uh, by anyone in Tarpal. Mm -hmm. New Gatsu Fumadan is being made by something called someone called Guru Guru. What else have they made? Yeah, here we go. Uh, HT. So I'm reading the thing on. Yeah. They've not awesome. made much. <laughs> Let's just stick with that. They've not been yeah. making much. Yeah, it's it's not really something they're putting their full-throated effort into. Um, yeah. Yeah. The answer is just. Uh, the people who are in positions of power economy uh, don't know and do not care much about what, where the industry has gone. Uh, Which is the is general there... deal of corporate control over major game studios. Pretty much. Yeah. Is it's there any hope for silent... Evolution. The, hmm. the end stage evolution of the game company. Pretty much. Uh, next question, is there any hope for Silent Hill? Not, I mean, they might make one someday, but I wouldn't have any hope for it being good. I don't, my, my main response to that question is, 
When has Silent Hill ever been a game about hope? <laughs> You're living <laughs> Silent Hill right now. <laughs> Oof. Nice. That, that is not the answer he's looking for, but that's my first reaction. Like, like the, the motto of the series is basically all hope abandon ye who enter here. So. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least they're not trying to hire Uwe Boll to make another movie out of it. That would have been. That, that's that would be the ultimate evolution. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. At, at this stage, uh, just just leave behind your attachment to the name Silent Hill if you're looking for it, because that's probably honestly the best hope you'll have. Uh. See. Did Castlevania Element of Innocence look bad because it came after Devil May Cry, which blew them out of the water? They're very different games. I think the comparison was a false cognate. Uh, yeah. But it's one of those situations where what Devil May Cry was doing was uh, like what Devil May Cry was doing was very uh, superficially similar to Castlevania to a certain set, which is to say that it was a uh, gothically themed uh, action game. But Castlevania has never functioned the way Devil May Cry functions, and they have ra rapidly turned into different kinds of games as, as reflects that. I think Lament is pretty good at what it's doing, but you know, it's a low, it's a relatively low budget game even from its time. It's uh, trying to make an exploratory sort of uh, action game out of approximately nine environment models, and there's only so much you can do to make that work. I think it's pretty good, but like comparisons to DMC or not, like it was always going to meet a harsh reception just for what it was trying to make out of what it was. Was there any merit to Castlevania 64 and Legacy of Darkness? No. Next question. <laughs> that's that's me being harsh, but like honestly, I I played Castlevania uh, Legacy of Darkness like four years ago, and it's just you can kind of see what they were going for, but even by those standards, it's not very good. Uh. Like you can you can dress it up in emulation to make it play better. Most notably, uh, you can fix the godforsaken camera system that relies on like the camera. The action buttons are A, B, and the C buttons. The movement controls are uh, on the stick. The camera is on the D-pad. Good luck making that work. Uh, with emulation, you can more sensibly map the camera to the right analog stick and it almost works. It's still not very good. Uh, but the thing is like the level design is just like it's just it's just not fun to explore and it's kind of confusingly designed. It's got it's poisoned by a very Tomb Raider sense of design that was very in vogue at the time. Uh, Tank controls. And, uh, I I can't remember if it has properly tank controls, but that's not really the problem I'm talking about. Like, those games have a very specific kind of level design that relies on essentially trying to find uh, strange connections and minute details 
in environments that are not actually very detailed, which makes them very confusing. But yeah, uh, Legacy of Darkness is just like eh, it's it's got its moments, but it's not very good. Like I don't think there's much joy in going back to it or 64, which is a very re closely related game. Uh, Legacy of Darkness is like a remix of 64. Um, is it just me or did the Lords of Shadow games uh, look have a is it just me or have they aged very badly in terms of look just because of their art style somehow I always attribute their looks to that specific point in the aughts uh, technically they're the early tens but you're not wrong they have a very of the time look that was very popular at the time deeply technically accomplished but often kind of a boring art style and you know, technically accomplished doesn't count for as much 10 years on. Which is honestly why Lords of Shadow 2 is the more interesting looking game, because it's at least like a baffling clash of concepts and art styles uh, between the Castlevania city sections and the giant steam powered wooden robot that Dracula vomits blood on. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a much weirder game, which makes them more Sometimes weird games are good games. True. Like, I, I will take weird and interesting over, like, you know, like, weird, interesting, and janky over, you know, polished but uninteresting. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I'm not here to sit and watch a game uh, slowly uh, find its way, find its way to being interesting. I, I, I want them to just go all out with, let's be weird, let's do something. I don't need to see the same thing I've seen before. I've seen it too much. Yeah, I think uh, that's why some of, some of my favorite games on my review list are actually some of the 2.5s. Yeah, because like, you remember those 2.5s sometimes. Yeah, like a lot of the 3s, they're average and they do things well, but you know what, they're not very memorable beyond that sometimes, but... The 2.5s, they tried something, and then they did not succeed at that something, but they you still remember it. Uh, it was, you remember that guy who struck out so hard that he threw his bat at the pitcher. <laughs> yes. Uh, here, here's the better question. Do you remember those 1.0s? I have purged some of them from my memory forever. Not all of them, unfortunately. Honestly, if it's if it's that bad to get a 1.0, I probably haven't finished it. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's very hard to reach the end of a game that you're ready to give a 1. Cause it's like, yeah. I don't yes. care. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes uh, I mean, the only, the only finished game that I would ever give a 1.0 to would have been Stargazer. Um, <laughs> that's a memorable <laughs> oh, it, it is insanely memorable for all of the wrong reasons. And... The fact that I had to start my impression with, yes, every single review you will ever read about this game will mention these following points, and they are all completely true. And then coming down with a litany of everything that is massively wrong with this game. <laughs> Before going into the cool stuff that they added in for the Switch port. Um, hmm. like the, they couldn't that, fix like the anything one. because that would remove the point, but at the same time, you can add quality of life to make it so you can at least see <laughs> Yeah. But, I mean, they didn't even fix anything in that game. They just added a rewind button. Yeah, that's quality of life. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, just just absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like like the they they are a very uh, specific idea of what an acceptable fantasy aesthetic is. That uh, I, my immediate way to describe it would be: Yeah, I did just watch Pan's Labyrinth. What of it? <laughs> but uh. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like very technically accomplished, but uh, Mercury Steam has gone on to much much better. Things. Uh, yes, they made the best non RPG of last year. Officially, <laughs> officially. What? Which, oh, which one? game was that? Metroid Dread. Yes. Uh, okay. Sorry, I did read the list. It's just. I'm trying to remember every game on that list. It's There's like, a lot on that list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this year's list was a lot more varied than some years. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. you'll just see the same handful of games taking one, two, and three over and over. Yeah. Although Final Fantasy XIV did win quite a bit. I will pay you, boy. Yeah, should we talk uh, about that now? Because we got asked about that. Uh, I was going to hit through the rest of the first section of Fireman's. Okay. Uh, and then we'll... Uh, leave the ne the next ten after that for the next week and go on to that question. Uh, beginning to think that if Konami had held back Castlevania Order of Ecclesia a few more years to wait for Metroidvanias to come in vogue, then release it, the game would have been, received more attention. Do you think that's the case? I don't think it would have received enough, like enough more attention, so to speak. Uh, like there's indie successful. Uh, which, you know, like, you know, you'll get a, a fair bit of sales. People, people will be talking about it for years. And then you'll get, uh, but, you know, like Konami was a company that wanted to be done with the business of making any video game that wasn't going to sell multiple million copies. And I don't think there was ever a universe where Order of Ecclesia was going to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they yeah. got blinded by their greed. Pretty much. I mean, they'd been culling back what games they wanted to bother investing in over the course of decades at that point. And like uh, I said before, in-stage evolution, it's go big or don't bother. Pretty much. They wanted to be uh, out of that business. <laughs> go big or don't bother, and most games will never make it that big to begin with. So, mm -hmm. Which means they don't do the games. Uh, yep. At least Square Enix, they want that, but they at least still try. You'll still yeah. get some weirdness out of them. Yeah. I don't know who who got another Chocobo Racing approved, but hats off to you. Mm. Wait, there's another Chocobo Racing? Yes. Yeah. And, and you have to figure, I mean, at least some of the old guard like Kawazu are still holding the torch for some of the really weird stuff, probably. Yeah. Look and, it up, and, Tam. And it's Nomura. Chocobo GP. It's got, uh, it's got Esper Terra in it. Yeah, the six fans will love it. Yes, I true. Um, I have to find this. <laughs> and uh, what's the deal with Final Fantasy Origins? Because I just saw some promo material for it earlier today, and it, some of the bosses look like something from a Lovecraftian horror novel. Um, yeah, it's, Fantasy... it's... Oh. Yeah, oh, oh, just, it's Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, we oh. have to be very careful about that, because Origins is one collection, but... Oh, true, okay. Stranger yeah, so... of Paradise... Oh, God. Uh, basically, it's a another reimagining re of Final Fantasy One. Yeah, like your that your character really is named Jack Garland. 
<laughs> so... I want to kill Chaos. He's gonna kill Chaos. The last trailer for that was absolutely daffy. It was incredible. Like, it's a four-minute, like, final trailer, and, like, it's it's full of him shouting about killing Chaos, and then the last full two minutes of it is the entirety of the song My Way by Frank Sinatra playing over story scenes from the game and action shot. <laughs> and it's okay. so, like, over oh, the top. So, I'm so in love I think, because, you know, everyone was making fun of it about Chaos after the first trailer. Then they came out with this, like, really serious, to you know, kind of tone-neutral, like, gameplay trailer that everyone was just kind of meh for. And they didn't realize, because he, I think we've discussed this before, how in Japanese culture, like, and, and the gaming industry, as far as, like, in Japan, is if you're made a meme, it's considered embarrassing. They've kind of leaned into it. They don't seem to care anymore. It's just like, yeah, no, we're Square just Enix doing has gotten this. the idea that, oh, let's lean into this hard. <laughs> At this point, they seem to fully be like, you know what? Who cares? It's, a, it's, you know, we're just making the game we're going to make. And you know what? It's got a lot of style, and the actual demo for it, it's, it's an excellent game. If you like Dark Souls-y construction, although apparently they're claiming that they're going to have, like, a bunch of easy modes, so... You know, you can actually maybe play it. We'll see. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably play it. I know, uh... Kelly was is super excited for it. In fact, that oh, was I'm her... super. I'm, I'm, I'm picking pumped. it up. So I mean, I'll 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 pretend I'm not good. But, I don't yeah. know if it'll be good, but I'm going to probably enjoy it. The demo, uh, if you like that kind of game, the demo it's one of the it's probably the best one I've played that's not Dark Souls. I mean, so, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Dark Souls, but I'm going to give this a try. I mean, Technicoe has pumped out uh, two of their own very good Dark Souls clones, so mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll do a the good addition, job with this. The addition of the job system adds a lot of excuses to use a lot of different kinds of skills and loadouts, especially because you can change jobs with the push of a button, so you can just swap between your loadouts and get some very different results. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a very good game of that style that has its own uh, that feels it's separate and it's an unique piece. So I'm really excited. It looks very funny, very intentionally funny in a lot of cases, especially the uh, bit where someone tries to uh, explain the uh, plot to our protagonist, Jack Garland. And his response is after like a minute of them explaining like the hopeless inevitability of chaos, him to just say bullshit and then start, uh, playing some new metal music that sounds like it's from 2002 on his phone. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah, so big, uh, very, very excited for that. Um, let's see. Uh, got a little theory in my brain that, uh, to move on to the next uh, question. Got a little theory in my brain that the reason Konami became less and less committed to video games after their huge successes in 6th gen, 7th gen brought some profit margins, even though they tried to squeeze uh, ever a few more cents out of their IPs, and so at the end they chose to redirect their resources. I mean, that's pretty much, yeah, that's just how companies work, and especially a company that's trying to diversify. It's like, well, this 
portion of our business is not as consistently profitable, so we cut it and cut it and cut it. So like, I was gonna that's, say, that's you... kind of what we've been talking about this entire time. Yeah, like you, you basically, you know, came to the same conclusion we did after a fashion fire miner because, like, you know, they like when you look at their release lineups from that period, it's like at the beginning of the PS2 era, they're still putting out weird stuff that no one cares about, like Shadow of Destiny, and it's like it doesn't sell well enough, so they stop doing that, and then they. By that point, they've already, like, they stopped making Contra games, they stopped making Gohan games, they stopped making Silent Hill games, like, over and over, like, the, 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 every, every couple years, the least successful franchise that they're still continuing ends up on the chopping block, and then it goes away. It's like the world's least favorite reality TV show. Pretty much. Like, you are the weakest IP, goodbye. Pretty much. And then finally it came down to, and we're sick of dealing with the people making Metal Gear. And then there were none. But, yeah. Uh, on that topic, is it also because of chasing profits that became too focused on IPs like Castlevania and MGS and something like to create new IPs during the 7th gen? I mean, yeah, I, like Castlevania was not, it was, it was not a raw profit motive. It was, uh, like, certainly Castlevania games never lost money, but they were never huge sellers. The answer is there was someone in the company willing to fight to keep them happening. And that's also why Contra lasted as long as it did. Like, uh, Nobuya Nakazato uh, directed the last couple of those for the most part. And it's like, yep, he was presumably fighting to keep the franchise going. And, you know, that, that happened a number of times. Uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, there, wasn't, there weren't many people with enough clout to... Uh, fight for new IPs. Like, the only one with enough plot to fight for new IPs after a certain point was Kojima. And Kojima was so busy, you know, keeping Metal Gear going that he didn't really have a lot of time to devote to fighting for new IPs. So, uh, that's, uh, that's where you end up. Uh, rest in peace, games with names like Boktai, The Sun is in Your Hand, Nano Breaker, Shadow of Destiny. Well, Wheels has given up. Uh, yeah, I'm too tired to do this bus. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, you know, and a, and a company that's not making anything new and that's slowly winnowing down the things, the old things that they're willing to keep making. I mean, this was just kind of a logical endpoint. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's hit that last question that will allow Wheels the sweet release of being able to complain. He's moved on to Ar Arceus. Yeah. No, no, I know. Uh, on Twitter, we got... Uh, so I said anyone with complaints for our year of Game of the Year awards should send them to Q&A Quest. And, um, uh, dear friend, Platinum 3 responded with Final Fantasy fourteen really? And a scratching head emoji. I'm not even sure if he plays that or not. <laughs> He does. Final Fantasy fourteen? No, so. no. Um, yeah. Which, um, yeah, uh, I was not happy to see lots of award space being taken up by a game expansion when uh, there were a lot of great RPGs last year that, did, in my opinion, deserved to be in our awards a lot more. Um. 
no offense, Tam, but I feel like Fantasy fourteen fans are so invested in that game at this point that they, you kind of, um, I don't know the best way to say it. Will is trying to bail out of the statement before becoming undipl- undiplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching What's... watching him try to say this and also backtrack it at the same time. It's, it's glorious. What's the nice way to say? It's an MMO-ass MMO, and yes, I'm sure the story is great, and you've been invested in it for like seven, eight years. How long now? Uh, me personally, probably uh, reborn. Uh, six and a half, seven. But yeah, it's... I think Realm Reborn is like 2000, is like 2013 or 14. Oh, Realm Reborn, yeah, Realm Reborn's been about eight years total. I've been in it a good five to seven years. Still an MMOS MMO. Uh, it's one of those things like it's it's a hard thing to like under, like I I don't understand it and I've just made peace with that and I don't want to go too much into this because we go into this like once every couple of weeks because we're yeah. eternally consternated and it's probably irritating Correct. to listen to after a while, but uh it, it's one of those things like we don't get it and like a lot of times it can sort of feel like when you're on the outside looking in, oh god, <laughs> for a second I thought you would just die from pulling no, off that quick. But, uh, uh, for, for, after some period, like, you just, it starts to, when you, you look at uh, praise for a game that gets praised in essentially every direction, every time it gets a new expansion, there, it starts to read like, this is just, it, it, it's, it almost doesn't feel like the content matters that much. And you know, you understand mentally that there must be uh, impressive content in there because, like, if the content got really bad, people do stop playing. That's why people don't play near as much WoW as they used to. But, you know, it, after a while, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I understand. But I, I'd like to talk about new games. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how come I'm actually... And um, Scott, Scott uh, from RPGFan.com and I ha- have sort of discussed this while he plays because uh, his Twitch on Twitch because I hang out on his stuff a lot. You know, there's nothing on ours. And um, he and I, he 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 stated it should not win a best of best game of the year award because it is not a new game. And and that it's is like a fair, it, and that's a fair yeah. statement. I agree with that. Because it's like a furthering of your investment that already existed. So, like, you can't really judge this expansion by itself, but it's also, that means it's not a new game. Yeah, it's, it's a weird issue. Yeah, but when it comes to, like, the other things, like, you know, the music, the dialogue, the, you know, um, best, you know, it won Best Ongoing, uh, which was one of the write-ups I did. You know, it, right now, I mean, it is one of the best it is probably the best ongoing game as far as being able to hold for as long as it has um yeah i feel like ongoing game like as a category like you have to even like think of those in different ways and like certainly it has it makes perfect sense in that category yeah yes but the i will i will tell you because um i actually wrote up the one for best story and of the game and i and i didn't I? I am. I know the lists are kept private. Um, I didn't play a lot of the new games. I played a mix of new games. I played a lot more of the old games and a lot of the re-releases. And the Endwalker as an expansion, I was sitting here 
emotional. I, I, I almost cried multiple times. I almost cried, uh, cried because of, you know, elation. There was one point where I cried in despair that the events going on in the game. So when yeah. it has that level of emotional involvement to you as a player, and I say this in regards to some other games where I have felt things from the game, specifically Rhapsody, a musical adventure, doesn't necessarily mean it is a great game. No. But does that mean it maybe stands apart from other games that may be good games like in all aspects, but is missing something where it doesn't get that emotional attachment to the player? And that is... Also and, just play. Oh, God. Well, yeah, so... And that's where I sort of go with it, is that it... Endwalker... Like Shadowbringers, people did get attached with the game and saw some very horrifying things in that expansion. This one there was a lot of they really pulled the emotional strings of the players with events that happened in the game i'm going to keep it spoiler free because i still know now there are people like jc servant who has just picked mm -hmm. up the game again too are not where i am obviously as one of the people who has beaten the game mm -hmm. so i also just want to point out how hilarious it is but wheels has run into an alpha pichu <laughs> oh i gotta see this it's sort of like running it's into like horrifyingly the... evil looking. <laughs> this is like oh my god, holy crap! It's Alpha Pichu. Oh yes, god. it's it's incredible because like if you know anything about uh, like it's what so Alpha Pokemon are supposed to be, it's basically like the equivalent of running into like the most tough, the the hardest fucking teddy bear you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so how embarrassing is, is it to actually die to this thing? Quite. Well, it's a Pichu, so if he does somehow die, it's going to be very sad. <laughs> well. I like the fact that you do get to change your outfit. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of outfit. And, like, eventually, uh, as you work through the game, like, you'll uh, have more people showing up in uh, Jubilife Village, and they will increase the amount of, like, outfits and hairstyles and all that that you can get access to as you, like, improve Jubilife by doing requests and such. Oh, we should probably clip uh, clip this and post yes. it. Yes, please. Good uh, idea. What was I going to say? Um, in regards to, like, the emotional response to any, really any Final Fantasy expansion requires a lot of investment. Yes. And I feel like trying to compare that to a new game that's interesting like, like a game that you play and its existence is confined to the story that it tells them right. do not get fucked up by that alpha snorlax <laughs> see and i i will again i will go back and say um i had an emotional response with rhapsody a musical adventure sure and that <laughs> is a non-mmo that is a non-online game it is a non-continuing game for that one, there were sequels past it, but are there sequels to Rhapsody? Yes, they never got released into the U.S. That would explain that. Yeah, there's like three, I, three total of adventures in the Marvel Kingdom. Oh, someone would try that just based on the fact that it was a uh, it was a NIST game, as I recall. All right, I want to find this goddamn Mister Mime now. Oh God, I think it might only show up during the day, but I will stay. I will stand here. In the day until. Thankfully, it is not a real time clock. Um, 
Oh, yeah, there's like three more of those. Well, never actually seen those. Little Princess Mario Okoku, Little uh, Ningyo Hime 2, and Tenshi no Present Mario Okoku Molotai. And there's also a puzzle game spinoff. Yeah, I was very sad to learn there were more that never got released into the U.S. Okay, excuse me. Wikipedia calls these uh, puzzle games. One of these is literally called Mari Jong. It's a very, very lame pun. Good, good on you, but it's a Mahjong game. I mean, Mahjong in itself is kind of a puzzle. I mean, yeah, but it's a competitive game. Oh, fucking shit! <laughs> Did you just get owned? No, no. Oh, oh, the Alpha Alex. Jesus yeah, fucking Christ. Luck. Wait, what happened? No, no. Oh, he found an Alpha Al no. Alakazam. Oh. oh. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What? There's some, there's some Abras and Cadabras you can find around here as well. Uh, I want, no, I want this Mime Jr. or whatever the hell his name is. That is Mime Jr. You're throwing heavy balls. They, those don't travel very far. I'm junior. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, sh I should probably say that um, it doesn't sound like it, but I don't dislike Final Fantasy XIV, really. It's definitely one of the better MMOs I've played. Uh, oh, indeed. But it is not without its issues, and I feel like a lot of those issues get overlooked because of the story and music and whatnot and essentially what i'm trying to say is i think you know fans of final fantasy 14 see the expansion like as 10 stars whereas it's probably in actuality somewhere lower than that just because i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say it's late <laughs> no i get what you're saying um i will say when i finished the story i sat there um, and co I, and I commented to my wife, um, cause you know, she beat it like th three days before me due to my technical <laughs> issues. Um, and I was like, you know, I really like this story, but I don't know if I like the expansion over Shadowbringers. Mm. Mm. And my wife base and, and I mentioned that even on our, um, on our discord and, um, someone's, and I, I think the best response is, Shadowbringers is the end of, like, a book. It is the last chapter of a book that has been going for ten years. And, you know, it is a good conclusion, whereas Shadowbringers, in an in and of itself, was, like, a really good segment of that book. So it stood mm -hmm. out more by itself, whereas... Right. And and I don't doubt that because I've heard that in many 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 corners of the internet. Like uh, anyone that had played through Shadowbringers just had all this, all sorts of praise. And to be honest, I haven't really gotten the same feeling for Endbringers. Not in a negative, not in Endwalker, whatever it's called. <laughs> not in a negative way, just not in the. The the praise is slightly less effusive. It right. seems to be more contained to people's general investment in FF14 at all. 
Yeah, and I think that's sort of what this expansion signifies. Now, again, right. I'm not going to say it is the best RPG of Final Fantasy XIV, or not Final Fantasy XIV, of 2021. <laughs> right. I thought it, but also not of FF14. <laughs> um, I think it... I, I, will, I do think Shadowbringers right now is the top. Um, depending on who you ask, it could be either Endwalker or Heavensward that are, like, number two. And no one will speak of Stormblood for the time being. Storm, <laughs> Stormblood was needed, but I think its big issue is that they tried... So, every expansion, if you know, they're trying to introduce you to new cultures. In the world, which mm -hmm. is, I think, really awesome. You know, it's help expands the world. But the issue comes down is that when you do that, it can take away from the game. And because they were doing it for two, uh, two very radically different cultures, one being the um, the Alamegans and one being, of course, the um, whole East, which had multiple mini cultures in, in and of itself it caused a little bit of a disconnect for the players in that regards. Honestly, I don't think Shadowbringers is a bad expansion. I have played worse expansions for other MMOs. You mean Stormblood? You said it's I'm their fault for making two of them abbreviate. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Stormblood. Yes. I've still besides Stormblood, I mean I have played worse expansions for MMOs. Oh, naturally. And I, I'm not Are talking some of just them in WoW. WoW. Oh, not only in WoW, okay. No, I've, I actually have played a... I, I, I don't talk about a lot of the MMOs I played, but I have played a ton. Like, Time to talk about Dark Age of Camelot. Did you um, play City of Heroes? I played City of Heroes. I've played Flyth. Nice. I've played um, Guild Wars. I, I obviously have played WoW. I've played Ragnarok Online. Mm. I tried to play Ragnarok Online 2. I played Yogurting. <laughs> I played Forsaken oh World. Someone I had played to actually play World. I played Star Trek Online. I've played. I I played Star Wars Online. Some people are just built different. I can't play these trucks. <laughs> yeah, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I will tell you yeah. the only one, the well, the only two that have really kept me in was a wow, mostly because at some point it was just like I don't want to start a new MMO because I've put so much time into this. Be, even though I, I was starting to feel that it was not a good game during Warlords. And I will say that. No! 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 Fuck! Fuck. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. Out. Oh, no, it's the opposite. You, did you oh, forget that they're weak to that? Right now. Yeah. They're weak to bug-type moves? Uh, I'm not sure if they still are. Way back in Gen 1, they were, but there's only <sighs> one bug-type move. Ugh. <sighs> Sorry, uh, but yeah. Sorry, Tim. Well, you, well, I you... accidentally murdered a cadabra. I was trying to catch. Yeah, good luck catching an abra as well. Those things are bastards. Uh -huh. Okay, well, where's so, the outside deck then? So yeah, uh, the, do I think it does deserve you know dialogue, story, sound, ongoing? Yes. Do I think it's the best RPG of 2021? No, because it's not a new game. It is a very good game. And the expansion is very good in and of itself, but it is still an expansion. I mean, okay, that's fine. You're never going to convince me it had better dialogue than Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sorry. <laughs> we all, now we also real chip on his shoulder shows. Yeah. Him. yeah um, 
I, I will admit, from watching you play, that does did seem to have a good. I think uh, uh, without, and I think some of it unfortunately just comes down to how many people did end up playing Guardians of the Galaxy versus how many people end up playing Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, 14 that's fine. And like, that's, that's always going to be an issue yeah. with Game of the Year. It's yeah. just like it's it, we can't we can't play everything. It's I a, wish it's an imperfect process, and really, um, you know. There's there's not much you can do about it other than have have discussions like this. But and, yeah, and no, from endeavor what you to played, do better. I and I will definitely say Guardians of the Galaxy definitely could very well you know, be that. Um and I definitely want to give it a try and pick it up. Uh, it looks a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see some of those interactions that I'm assuming you were the one who wrote that article. <laughs> Uh, no, I unfortunately did not get to write about it at all. Oh, we all bad now. Yeah, I didn't get to write about very many things, and I actually ceded um, writing about Monster Hunter to Phil because he's like streamed the heck out of that game and was the big champion of it. So he really deserved he deserved that. Oh, that was nice of you. Yeah, I I did. Um... I was actually a little surprised I got the Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster right up. Oh, nice. Yeah, that... Because um, I know Pause was the one who re really played that and streamed it, but at the same time, I get why they may have had me do it. <laughs> when are these people going to hack uh, Free Enterprise into Pixel Remaster for? <laughs> Uh, they've all, according to Pauls, they've already come out and said no. Doesn't surprise me. Seems like a giant pain in the ass. Uh. I think it. I think it has to do with how games are encoded then versus how they're encoded now. FF4 on Super Nintendo is also just a much more well understood bit of reverse engineering, whereas, yeah. Um, but in any case, oops, I can see something. Kadabra. Yeah, we should. Kadabra. Yes. But yeah, we should probably, uh, and we should probably uh, cut this one because uh, we should probably get done because it's like two a.m. for us. Yeah. Okay. So let me just give some final thoughts on this because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like either me or or any of us really have sour grapes about anything. We're just we feel like there's a discussion to be had there that um, maybe wouldn't be appropriate for the awards themselves. Right. But... right. Mm -hmm. and... No, and, 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 you know, I, I will always say, you know, if you want to, if someone wants to gripe about something, you know, at least give it a try first. If you're not willing to try something, you know, yeah. What real stuff? Yeah. Do I mean, I dumped say? like 10 hours. In yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you've just stated MMOs aren't for you, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. And you but know, if someone I... is not even willing to try and give something an effort, then you know. And I yeah, know I mean... several staffers, other staffers have tried Final Fantasy fourteen and you know it's not for them either because experiences with MMOs before or whatnot. And they're again. For the interruption, this is what went down. Have a good night. <laughs> oh, it says reconnection successful on my stream. It Whatever, we just need to get the stat of the way because yeah. you only have some of that spot data. 
Okay, now I have unlimited data. It's fine. Okay, so you're a nerd. But it, I mean, the up the up is not very good, so we should definitely just yeah. end it. Okay, so uh, plugs. Do your plugs. Be right back. I'm starting. Um, plug, plug away, Gaijin. Plug, plug. Okay, yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor for Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. A, uh, you know, I've just started describing it as a act, active play, let's play whatever podcast style <laughs> of novel because apparently those are very popular now. I keep yeah. seeing more and more of these things online. I'm like, okay. Um, I was doing it before it was cool. Um, hopefully some people will actually notice it now. Um, I actually sold two paperbacks the other day. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> it was not me. I well, go ahead and do it anyway, please. Oh, I will, um, once I have money. Yes. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do about I actually got a job offer recently, so hopefully with my first Yay. paycheck I can Woo-hoo. buy all the Buy some copy, buy some copies of Princess and the Pizza Parlor. Yay. Um. So yeah, so it's basically um, a novelization of a completely fictitious, uh, probably Pathfinder campaign, probably. Mainly because that turns was out the... they're playing Hackmaster. Yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Pathfinder was what I actually had on hand when I was planning this, so it probably yeah, doesn't yeah. quite resemble Pathfinder anymore, but you know what? Uh, That's fun. where it started from. But when? Yeah, but, it but that means no Thacko. Oh. Yeah, like I'm going to try and explain <laughs> that in narrative. Okay. I mean, yeah. good luck explaining that to actual 13 year olds. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a moment. This is just a trick to get us to learn math. Oh darn it! You saw through my ruse. Er. Yeah. But yeah. So um, yeah, I'm still at nine episodes, two side quests, and a really long summer camp story on uh, ebook, and then four collected paperback volumes, and slowly chugging my way through paperback volume five for content. Mm. So, yep. Yeah. It's it's uh, fun as always. And, of course, the fact that I'm actually doing the random dice rolls whenever it actually says in text that I'm doing them means that I just took a really different turn on one battle. Um, so, a lot of the fun of writing is rolling with the punches. <laughs> yes, but you don't normally mean it that literally. <laughs> and I've had at least, I've had more than one writing group just say, are you insane? Uh, when they <laughs> hear this particular detail. I'm like, no, I mean, I, I know how it's all, I always know how it's going to end. It's just how it's going to get there. That's the fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check those out. They're on Amazon. Uh, under Michael Yadimitsu. Yes. Y A R I M I C U. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's wonderfully easy to spell once you realize that English spelling is completely bizarre and you should be ignored. Yeah. Once you learn the uh once you learn the rules of how Japanese is transliterated in English, it's very simple. Yeah. Uh Tam, you got anything? 
Uh, you can catch me three days a week streaming here on rpgamer.com or Twitch, sorry, twitch.tv slash rpgamer uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings and then also Friday nights. Uh, Wheels is also here streaming too on Sundays. Uh, and you can catch his us as part of his crew as we talk crap to the games he's playing as well as discuss other random games. Whatever shows up in our minds. Sometimes we talk about sports. You... I pretend to understand what I'm talking about just long enough. Yes. I'm right there with you, David. <laughs> I put in the homework. I do the homework. I learn how a sport works. Stay tuned next. Stay tuned this week for at least three minutes of discussion of the name Washington Commanders. Oh, God. Um, hey, there, there are worse names they could have chosen. They had two years. Two years! It is exactly the equivalent of realizing that your homework is due and putting something out. You have to. But... They've been the Washington football team for two years, and that was the best Honestly, thing you could come up with. it would have been with. much funnier if they just stayed Washington football. Yeah. Or just say, just call themselves the Washingtons. I would have also accepted the Washington footballs. Just call themselves yeah. the Washington Generals and be, be done with it. That's trademark. <laughs> also, it, I would not accept anything less than their than their logo still being uh, Washington General getting clowned on by a globetrotter. Actually, they could have really leaned into it and gone with the Washington Capitals. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm glad. A very you old that school one. name. But then they'd have to be the Washington Football Capitals. Save it for shenanigans. <laughs> to be the one. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels, anything else you got to plug? Uh, I do random odd streams on my channel, uh, twitch.tv slash askwheels. I usually save that for non-RPGs. Occasionally I do RPGs if I feel like... If I'm likely to switch off to some non-RPG, I'll just do it on my channel, i.e. Fortnite or... Apex. Um, there is a new season of Apex starting next week, so I will probably be on playing some of that. Um, and this season, one Apex dies. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. Um, Uh, it will prob <sighs> probably, assuming I don't beat it beforehand, shenanigans this week will probably be me trying to beat East 8. So um, if you don't want spoilers, um, maybe check and see which game I'm playing before tuning in. So there you go, fair warning. That's it. And as for me, I've still got a Patreon. It's still on Twitch. Uh, not Twitch. Patreon.com slash GameVultureSteady. Uh, I've had a few things going up the past few weeks. Uh, updates may become sporadic as I actually, you know, start work and start working out how I can uh, make that fit in with my writing schedule. But you know, I will continue to post there. It will continue to be free. But you know, always happy to get a few bucks if you're willing to spend it on my um, But yeah, that's uh. That's what I've got. Uh, as for the podcast itself, you can uh, ask us questions. We want to thank uh, Fireminer and Platyang3 for their lovely questions this week. Uh, let's see. And, you know, 
Uh, you can follow their lead. You can ask things to Wheels on Twitter if you need to be. You can ask Wheels. Uh, you can also ask things in the Twitch chat if you catch us streaming, which usually happens uh, Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, if you would like to ask us questions via the comment section on the Gamer, that's also excellent. We always love reading those. We check the last few episodes to make sure we don't miss anything. And you can also take Fireminer's lead and ask us in the Discord. And you should probably join the Discord either way, because it's a lovely community and there's lots of people to talk to about your favorite RPGs or whatever else you want to talk about. There's, there's channels for other things. Uh, uh, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, oh, one last plug. Uh, be sure to go to rpgamer.com and check out the uh, the awards, which we were partially discussing before. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of great write-ups, and um, always, please, always check out the the uh, Michael Cunningham Memorial Award, uh, which always covers like some interesting like indie games that Mike probably would have liked. And those are always, always great write-ups. So if nothing else, be sure to check that out. And, um, you know, obviously I mentioned before that um, Monster to Rise it won our RPG of the Year award. And um, you should check out Phil's write-up of that because uh, it's a great game, obviously. And it's now out on PC, so you have another place to play it. And, yeah. But, you know, not just those. Uh, the site always does a great job of putting that, that whole thing together. So please go and check out everyone's blurbs. Even if you don't agree with them, they're always well written and fun to read. So check it out. I, I will say for the most part, I think one might could need some editing. It's fine. We're all... Listen, this is a volunteer site, you know, so... I feel like if there's a few missed edits or imperfections there, it's it's all good. Uh, despite that, I think everyone does. Everyone on the site has been doing a wonderful job for a long time, and um, I, I like to think that Mr. Cunningham would be proud of the state the site is in currently. <laughs> so that's it. In any case, uh, so yeah, ask us questions, join the Discord, uh, but otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. See Good, ya. Night. Good night. Good mm-hmm. night.